Hi, this is Elliot Fishman, and welcome to our latest uh, vodcast. And this one's on contrast type and administration, optimizing cardiac CTA. And this is a talk I gave at the recent cardiac meeting, the SCCT annual meeting in Baltimore, Maryland in July. And one of the topics they asked me to speak about essentially was what's new in contrast material, what's new with IV contrast. And so that's a difficult thing in the sense that there have been no new agents on the market recently, but there have been certain important articles, which I'll start with, that uh, impact our practice and then some things on the horizon. So what have I learned about the impact of uh, the use of IV contrast and cardiac CT? Well, a very simple thing is there was articles uh, asking the question about putting IV contrast in a warmer prior to uh, using it. And at Hopkins, we still do and always have used a warmer. I always found that it's very helpful. Remember, it puts the contrast basically at body temperature. And it's been my experience that that truly decreases the number of contrast reactions, surely the simple reactions like nausea and vomiting. But there's some downside potentially for using a warmer. JCO inspections have given some people a hard time because you need to have record keeping. Is the uh, warmer working? It's supposed to be 37 degrees. Is it going from 45 to 25? You need to monitor it. That's doable. There's a cost. In the old days, the vendors would give you the... Um, thing for free, but now you may need to buy it, but it's a one-time purchase, so that's not too bad. But this monitoring thing can be a pain, but there are programs that do that for you. Also, when I spoke to Joint Commission, people have had an issue with putting contrast inside the warmer. What Jayco wants you to do is when you label it, remember it's only good for 30 days, not to label the day you put it in, but to label the day it expires. So do it like milk where it doesn't say the day you bought the milk, but it says the day the milk expires. So that way you wouldn't use something that was in the warmer for more than 30 days. Now you say, well, okay, fine, but what is the big deal? Well, there was a good article by Davenport that looked at contrast extravasation and whether warming does help. And they commented that warming uh, does not appear to affect adverse events for injections of less than 6 ml per second, but is associated with significant reduction in extravasation and overall adverse events for more viscous uh, contrast material like 370 rather than 300. But several things are very important. Another statement. Discontinuation of warming did not appear to affect adverse event rates for the lower concentrations, but was associated with a tripling of extravasation and overall adverse events for the more viscous Iopamidol 370. So when using these denser contrasts, just by warming it, or maybe I should say by not warming it, you triple your extravasation and adverse event rates. Now that's horrendous. Think about that for a second. You triple adverse events and you could avoid that by simply putting things in a warmer. And to me, this article it was from Duke makes it very clear. You have to use a warmer. No ifs, ands, or buts. And my feeling is it still makes an impact even below 5 or 6 cc's. But that 5 or 6 cc's is the typical rate for cardiac CT. And you don't want any problems with cardiac CT patients or any patients. So the bottom line is use the warmer. There's another article looking at being NPO. If you can do a CT scan with contrast, how long does the patient need to be NPO? Well, there was an article looking and said that some people used overnight fasting, some people had four to six hours, some people two to three hours, some people didn't worry at all. 
And they made the point that there was little evidence that ingestion of inert clear fluid prior to CT was a cause of aspiration pneumonia. But they made the point that there was so much variation, and they looked country by country, and also made the point that the literature provided no direct evidence that ingestion of fluids did cause problems. And our experience is this is not the case. And so, in fact, what we ask our patients to do at Hopkins is not to eat solid food for three hours before the study, but drink lots of fluids. Now, particularly with cardiac patients, when we tell them drink fluids, but don't drink caffeinated beverages, don't drink Coke and Diet Coke and don't drink coffee because that'll raise your heart rate, which is obviously a negative. But lots of fluids, water is the ideal fluid, and we drink lots of fluids after the CT as well. Fluids obviously decrease the chance of contrast-induced nephropathy. So very important. No food for three hours, no solid foods, fluids, all you want. Again, if someone ate an hour before the study, would we cancel the study? The answer is no. Another question is in selecting IV contrast, and this is particularly important with cardiac CT. The question, a simple question, is it better to use a higher concentration contrast agent for cardiac CT than a lower one? Well, high and low, it's always hard to say what that means, but in this article by Mafi, they used um, Iomeron 400, which is not approved in the U.S., but it's approved in Europe, so a very high concentration, and they compared it to iodixinol or Visipake. They used the same injection rate, and they looked at exactly what happened. And they found that higher, uh, high intravascular attenuation uh, was achieved with both contrast agents, but with a very dense contrast, it made it more difficult to detect plaques. The detection of fibrous versus lipid-rich plaques was significantly affected. Image quality was not significantly affected by different settings. Signal-to-noise was significantly better in the group using lower iodinated contrast concentration and with lower intravascular attenuation. So again, what is a minimum number? Well, truth is you need to be at least 300 for cardiac CT, 300 Hounsfield units. The truth is even with Visipake 320, you're getting closer to 450 or 500. You get beyond those numbers, it results in a more difficult characterization between lipid-rich and fibrous-type plaques. So again, this becomes very, very important. Another article, Rego. What they looked at in this article was to compare vascular and parenchymal contrast enhancement at MDCT by using two different contrast agents of, and then delivering them very similarly in terms of total iodine volume and iodine delivery rate. Now, this was in the liver, but you can see there was no statistical di difference in liver, parenchymal, and vascular contrast enhancement. Again, this proves the fact that there are a number of different contrast agents you can use, but the lower concentration, something like Visipake, which is enough concentration, I hate the word low concentration, low seems to make you say that it's not good enough. That's not really what the question is. It's good enough, and it's, in fact, better with the high concentrations, although theoretically having advantages, actually having significant disadvantages. Okay, what else about contrast in the past year? Well, uh, this was on the uh, Apple Store, and I couldn't resist showing it to you. This is a contrast protocol primer, and it's everything you want to know about contrast, and it's on the Apple Store, and this is version one, and it's for free. We did something like this on CTS Us for a couple years. We updated it, put it on the Apple Store, and I'm working on another update to this, which will be available over the next couple months, but you can see the different topics uh, we address. And it's all a question and answer format. And you can see, for example, that 
we, we ask a question, what kind of IV access is ideal for use for IV contrast injection? And it's an answer. I'm not giving 20 references and 20 pages of articles. You have a question, we give you an answer. And the questions we have, which are about 250 questions, are based on our experience on CTSS, what people ask me, also based on working with our nurses and our technologists and radiologists, the questions they typically have, and putting all of these questions together and giving uh, very pertinent answers and information. So I think it's a very good tool. Everyone who's used it likes it, so I think it's very valuable. So something that can help you answer many questions from allergic reactions to pre-medication to uh, uses of different contrast agents. Okay, what else? What's the limitation to injecting five to six cc's for cardiac CTA? That is, why don't we always do it, or why don't people always do it? Well, there are a number of different reasons. One of the most common is IV access. Unless you can get an 18-gauge needle, it's hard to inject higher flow rates, and that becomes very, very important. If you're putting a 22-gauge in, you're not going to be injecting 5 to 6 cc's. With a 20, sometimes you can, but you really need an 18. But we all know that an 18 is not always possible, particularly in older patients. So what is one to do if it's not going to be always possible? Well, things are coming along. And one of the exciting things that's been FDA approved and introduced this year is this new needle by B&D, which is Black & Decker. That's a joke. It's not Black & Decker. They make hardware, but that's for drilling and stuff. It's by Beck & Dickinson. And they have this Diffusix needle and catheter. And it's kind of brilliant because what you typically are doing when you inject every needle has a hole at the bottom and all the contrast goes at that one hole. So it's a limited area, which is with the problem with smaller needles. But what they've done is they've put multiple side holes. So when you're injecting contrast, this is how it looks. It's kind of like the space shuttle where the, the, in, the um, power at the bottom was going out multiple side holes. And by doing that, you don't need the same size needle because you can inject from multiple side holes. So several things happen. One, you can inject a higher rate with a lower caliber needle, but also you don't have injury to the vessel because you don't have this very powerful stream because you're not injecting as fast, and so there's no injury to the vessel wall. So a very important concept. In terms of how the needles look, they look essentially the same. It's a little bit different, but again, all the B&D needles tend to be a little bit different, but it's very easy to learn how to use, nothing very difficult. And you can see one of the big things and flow is not just once you're in the vessel, but when you're in the vessel, what happens? When you're injecting very quickly through a small needle, you have this torque. And so what basically happens is, as you can see from the animation, is that when you inject the needle, you can see very nicely here, the needle with the... Um, the diffusix, you can see the side holes, is injecting very nicely into the vessel. There's no movement. The vessel's very nicely opacified. But look what happens when you use the patient with the uh, typical older needle, where it's just a single hole at the bottom. Then not only is the contrast going in, but all of a sudden it, the needle moves and uh, with the torque, and boom, you have extravasation. And that's what happens when you inject high volumes through too small a needle. So I think a big thing that's going to happen is these new needles, which are not that much different in course from the old needles, 
are going to be much easier. So what you can do is you can take a 20-gauge needle and do whatever an 18 can do. You can inject 5 to 7 cc's, and you can take a 22-gauge diffusix and use what a 20 can do. So very important, it's going to make our life easier. You may never use an 18-gauge again. In our experience, it's hard to get an 18, but a 20 is a lot easier. And worst case, you have a 22. So indeed, this is very exciting and a major improvement. What else? Let me end with something a little bit looking at the future. Is there any possibility of getting different contrast agents? Now, I know this is something discussed for many years, but um, Marvel Pharmaceuticals is looking at this contrast agent. Uh, and here's just some of the brief preliminary results. It's a contrast agent that you would inject and then you can scan hours to days later with very, very good results. It's a liposomal iodixinol type compound. And you can see, uh, here's just a couple examples. Here's a patient with a liver lesion. And you can see the images are pre-contrast, 15 minutes post-injection, 24 hours, and 48 hours. So you can see what you possibly can do is inject the patient and scan the patient an hour later. And you have the same opacification of all the vessels. And now timing is not an issue. Think of that with cardiac perfusion. Think of that with looking at all of the vessels. We could lower dose and still get beautiful studies and now worry about timing. And here's just one more set of images in the liver. Um, does it work on cardiac CT, on vascular CT? Here's another set of studies looking at a liver tumor, but at that same time, take a look at the images of the vasculature at 15 minutes and 24 hours. Indeed, very, very impressive. So I think it could be exciting. The ability to not have to time injections the way we do it now can be very, very important in lowering dose and getting better quality studies. I won't go into the pharmacokinetics, but just to show you one more set of images, it's a very exciting opportunity. Again, this needs to be proven. It needs to be proven safety in patients, all of the usual things before a drug gets approval. But I think it does show that on the horizon, there are things that are potentially coming. So hopefully then I've showed you a little bit about contrast, something new, something old, something practical, use warmers, Look at the new needles. Take, I don't only stock in B&D. It's a privately held company. We have done some research with them and continue to, but it may be worthwhile to look at those needles and see what's happening and the opportunity for using uh, larger needles, you know, or less gauge needles at 20 rather than 18 can be very helpful. So it's something you should look at. And then looking at some of the changes and where contrast is going. So with that, have a great day and see you soon.